You're listening to the cycling podcast Femina, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. This is the cycling podcast Femina, the women's tour. Today, we're in Banbury. is underway this stage from Vista to Banbury. There are 89 riders taking the start. Following a neutralized section of 5.5 kilometers, today's stage is 147.7 kilometers <coughs> of the following. There are three climbs for the Skoda Queen of the Mountains classification. Well, welcome one and welcome all. Here we are at the Women's Tour. We're doing nightly coverage and I've got a new look team. My name is Rose Manley, but I'm joined by Lionel Burney. Hello, Rose. And Lizzie Banks. Hello, Rose and Lionel. How (laughs) exciting that we've never been this uh, little trio before. It is a new look. I'm, I'm new trying to think and what improved. It is. It's a team sprint lineup, isn't it? Um, I'm I'm going to do the first day and then go home, and then Lizzie <laughs> will do the second day and third day, and then she'll go home. And Rose, you'll see it through to. Oh right, no one told me that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm going to be the one that's going to see this through to the finish. Yeah, we're going to do a three-up time trial all the way to Felixstowe on Saturday night, aren't we? Yeah, we've got a woman with concussion, a heavily pregnant woman, and Lionel. Excuse <laughs> me, Rose. I've been, Rose, I've been cleared. <laughs> sorry, I've been cleared. sorry. I know I've, I'm ruining all your potential contracts now, Lizzie. <laughs> aren't I, by, by outing that. But we've uh, we've finished our first date. Well, should we get on with it? Shall we find out what happened? Because uh, it's always a bit of a murky business. Um, As you know, we don't have any live TV for the women's tour, which we'll come to, I think, later in the week. I think, Lionel, you're already lining that up to talk to Mick Bennett um, about that, about why that happened. But it does make it a little bit of a murky business finding out what happened and who was doing what. But, Lionel, you're you're going to clear it up for us. I'm going to try, Rose. But first, we were in Banbury, weren't we, this afternoon? Yes, yes. The first stage went from Bicester to Banbury in Oxfordshire. And while I was in Banbury waiting for the race, I popped into a little shop to buy some Banbury cakes for you, I wondered what those were. Yeah, and They look like, you know, know, uh, how old-fashioned dog poo used to look. When it was slightly white. Let's let's. Well, they're they're sugar coated, aren't they? They're, uh, <laughs> it looks like a slightly. Well, it looks like an Eccles cake that's been driven over. That well, funnily yes. enough, I asked a man what is the essential, you know, the essence, if you like, of a Banbury cake, and he said, "Well, it's like an Eccles cake, but it's from Banbury." Um, um. Now, 
as a USP, um, you know, if, it, if you've got to say it's like something else, then, you know, well, maybe they need U, a, It's not the U it's not, of the USP, no. is it? But no. I do like the ingredients here. It's obviously pastry. Um, it's got currants and mixed peel in it, nutmeg, rose water, and a secret ingredient. And when I asked what the secret ingredient was, he said he couldn't tell me. I mean, ridiculous. So it's a proper secret. <laughs> well, what I, what I like is that you avoided that the main thing uh, in these Banbury cakes was vegetable fat. So yeah. I'm glad that you <laughs> skipped uh, yeah. over that. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying they're a healthy snack, but he did say they go very well with a cup of tea. So maybe tomorrow, even though we won't be in the Banbury area, maybe tomorrow we will uh, we will eat those because currently we are in quite a busy pub in Nuneaton. We've come up to the Midlands where the next two stages of the women's tour take place. But as you say, Rose, stage one, uh, Bistet to Banbury. And it was 147.7 kilometres, coming just two days after Paris-Roubaix. A large contingent of riders rode Paris-Roubaix on Saturday and were here on the start line in Bista. And really, it was a day of thwarted attacks, wasn't it? Because uh, most of the peloton, if not all of the peloton, were intent on having a sprint finish in Banbury. Uh, there were some attacks, though, with 59 kilometres to go. We saw... Well, we didn't see, but we heard on race radio. Elise Shabby and Demi Vollering uh, went away. They attacked on the approach, I think, to Iron Downhill, where you were standing out on the course, Rose. Um, that didn't get anywhere, but shortly afterwards, um, who was it? It was Femke Marcus and Chiara Consoni. They went clear, and it was Consoni who went over the top of Sibford Ferris first. They went over that climb twice, didn't they? Because there was a finishing circuit. But the most sustained attack of the day was by Anna Christian of Drop. Lacole. That was doomed and then we thought the race was going to be ignited by this five rider break of Elise Shabby again, Juliette Labou, Soroya Paladin and crucially two riders from SD Works, Amy Peters and Demi Vollering um, but they were caught and it set up the sprint finish but it wasn't without incident was it because there was a crash a couple of kilometres from the line. We heard uh, from the riders afterwards that the peloton split went either side of a roundabout and as it came back together Basically, there was a collision and down went a lot of riders. And then we had the slightly uphill finish and it was won by Marta Bastianelli, the 34-year-old Italian riding for Ale BTC Ljubljana. And she was just ahead of Chloe Hosking. Uh, Clara Coponi of FDJ was third. So Bastianelli will be wearing the leader's jersey tomorrow. Uh, three non-finishers today. Tanya Erath of Germany crashed. Emma Bugard out. And also Elisa Longo-Borghini, who was third in Paris-Roubaix at the weekend. We saw her, didn't we, Rose? Just walking back to the Trek Segafredo bus, having pulled out as they came through the finish line first time. So... Um, Longo Borghini is already out of the race tomorrow as Lizzie has been telling us it's a circuit race in the rain starting and finishing in Walsall well Marta Bastianelli then the stage winner and she will be defending the leader's jersey tomorrow with the help of just three of her teammates because they've only started with four riders here we are at the end of a long season and one of those teammates is Sophie Wright and I spoke to her just after the finish talk me through the finale I just heard you say there was a big crash on the run in there what happened from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, it was just pretty full gas um, from that last climb. Um, and then it was just such a fast pace. And coming into this finale, in the last kilometre, there's uh, this roundabout. And uh, one group went left, one group went right. And as they joined, yeah, kaput. <laughs> yeah, big, big crash. It's not, it's really not nice to see, you know. Um, so yeah then just people you know it was just kind of segmented at the end but 
Marta got the win, so we're happy. I mean, what was the plan today? I mean, there's only four of you in the team, isn't there? So not not easy yeah. to keep it together. Quite a few attacks we heard, but what point did you know it was going to come down to a sprint in Banbury here? I think last lap, to be honest, um, because, yeah, from the start, it was, it was quite a high pace and there were attacks um, left, right and centre, but... I think the whole group today, they just wanted to control it and they wanted it to come down to a sprint. Obviously, with four riders, um, we're a bit kind of, yeah, we're on the back foot uh, because we're missing two riders. But, you know, we can still work as a team. Um, this, this peloton, it's not huge. I think there's about 100 riders, 16 teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean... But it was it was still a pleasure to race, you know, because I just love racing in the UK. I mean, look at these crowds. It's brilliant. And uh, a leader's jersey to defend tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we've now got all the pressure, haven't we? Great. <laughs> yeah, no, tomorrow's going to be pretty hectic, you know, because we're doing, we're doing laps of this circuit. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat or drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimise your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights and personalised analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Thank you very much to Super Sapiens, the title sponsors of the Cycling Podcast and the Cycling Podcast Feminine, of course, and one of the big reasons why we're able to be here mob-handed with a three-person team covering the women's tour on the ground all the way till Saturday. I don't think mob-handed sounds that complimentary, actually. I thought cobbled together is how it was described (laughs) on the most recent episode of the Cycling Podcast Feminine. Well, we we cobbled together quite a lot of content thanks to Super Sapiens, and if you'd like to find out more about Super Sapiens and the continuous glucose monitoring system that can help you train or race, go to supersapiens.com. More about them as the week unfolds. Now, there's a few little notable absentees from this race, it must be said. A few of them coming down in crashes at Paris-Roubaix that we haven't seen. But your team um, wasn't going to be here anyway, Lizzie. So that is it, WNT. Yeah, well, you know, Track Worlds are on. I think is it next weekend, maybe. And there's so many of our team doing Track Worlds. And this, it really was a race for Lisa Brenauer. It's the perfect parkour for her, but she is doing that. So, unfortunately, that's the focus. And because there are so many other riders doing... They've done U23 track worlds. Uh, there was a world over in Cali, I think, in um, Colombia. And so there weren't any riders left. So when I knew that I wasn't going to be able to race through injury and through my team's not being here, um, I wanted to find a way to be here. So I phoned up Richard and I said, hey, what about <laughs> what about coming along to this cobbled together crew with Cycling Podcast Ramanan? <laughs> being one of the cobbles. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. I mean, I just did not want to miss out on this race. It was absolutely one of my favourite races alongside Tour de Yorkshire in 2019. And it gave me goosebumps like no other race. So I was determined to come here. But you're not actually, I mean, you're not actually racing the race, but there was a bit of a race to even be here, even for the cycling podcast. There was indeed. I had an appointment this morning that I couldn't miss. And so I was in my own race to try and get down to Banbury and do my recon of the finishing circuit before the, the, well, before the convoy and the race caught me. So I recorded my journey here and, well, let's find out whether or not they caught me on the route. And we're calling this Lizzie's Recon, aren't we? Lizzie Banks, <laughs> alternative women's tour. 
It's a multi-stage journey for me to get to the women's tour today. I've already completed stage one, which was the train from Sheffield to Birmingham. I'm currently waiting for the start of stage two, sitting on the train from Birmingham Moor Street to Banbury, waiting for it to leave. Uh, and finally, I will be in a race against the race, as I will be trying to provide you with some insight on the course this week, every day. And I've got 32 kilometers to do before <laughs> <laughs> the race comes through to Banbury. There's a final finishing lap, which is 32 kilometers, and I've only got just over an hour. And actually, if the race is on their fastest schedule, I have less than an hour to complete that. So <laughs> I am racing down to Banbury, and I'm going to make sure I'm fully ready as soon as I get off the train, jump off the train, hand my bags over to Lionel, and race around the course, go and have a look at the last QOM for you, and try and get back to Banbury before the finish, but it's gonna be a difficult one for me. Stage two complete, I've just made it to the car park in Banbury. I've mapped out my route on commute and it's actually only, only 29 kilometers. So I'm off to do that now and race around and try and get back before the peloton does. But they are going to be hot on my heels because I think they're gonna be doing at least 45K an hour in the final lap. And I'm not gonna be going that fast, so wish me luck. I hope you can hear me. It's pretty windy because there's a vicious headwind and I'm going pretty fast. I'm really fighting the clock here. As I was leaving Banbury, the event marshals were already shutting down the streets. The riders have passed through Sibford Ferris for the first time already about five minutes ago. So I'm up against the clock here. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. What I love about this race is that already there's so many people out on the course. I'm just coming through final iceberg sprint. Uh, 25k to go and there's so many people lining the road Woo! No! Hey! <laughs> just saw one of my friends by the side of the road oh i've made it to the qom point at sipper ferris there's a lot of race traffic coming through now so i've still got 15k to go and i don't know if i'm gonna make it crowds along the route absolutely amazing just met my friend here who's giving me a crunchy hand up and we're gonna two up it back to the finish now well i didn't make it back to banbury in time i got stopped by the race motos just about 20 meters after the top of sibford ferris but the race convoy is coming through now and the race should be just behind i'm gonna to have to chase the convoy back to banbury but it's a great place to watch here and we might even you know could see a it's a great spot for a late attack if somebody wants, doesn't want to go to the finish with a bunch. So let's see what happens. Neutral service has just come through and we're just waiting for the race now. Okay, they're coming now. The helicopter's up in the sky, so that means live pictures. Oh, no, wait, it doesn't. Sorry about that. <laughs> Moto's coming through. There's the lead commissaire. So here they come. Here they are. Drops rider. Oh no, SC works rider off the front. Jenny Bollering, come on, Jenny. Riders off the back of the peloton. It's a big group of about 50. 
seen off the back and it was strung out a whole line all the way down. It's absolutely savage. It's going to be a 13 kilometer health leather run to the finish now. Oh, there's a big surprise. That's Lorena Vibas right off the back. She's actually behind the convoy. Well, she's behind the main, main bunch and behind the neutral service. So that's a real surprise there because she was going to be a hot favourite. I wonder if she's hurting from Roubaix. Well, <laughs> this is brilliant. I mean, I jumped on the convoy after they went past and all the girls had finished the race. But now they think I'm in the race and I'm getting cheers all the way along the route. Got the broom wagon behind me, actually. <laughs> Which is quite brilliant. So it's definitely as close to being in the race as I can be. 2K to the finish now. And I've actually got a personal motorbike, S12, has been escorting me for about 8K now. I assumed the roads were back open because the police had passed, but actually there's about eight riders behind still. The finish has happened. Still not sure who's won. I thought I was going to get the Lanton Rouge today, but maybe not. Nearly there. Well, I finally made it to the finish. I didn't get here before the peloton did, but I'm with Danny Christmas and Joss Loudon. Joss, I saw you, Demi Volumi had just gone over the front, <laughs> off the front after the last QOM, and you were pulling so hard at the finish. So how was that for you? And did yeah. you get back? No, so it was, oh, do you know, I just messed that one up actually, really. But I mean, in the end, they got bought back anyway. But she went and I was, um, I was really pulling to chase. And then a few others sort of went over the top of me, but I think I just pulled a bit hard. So, um, but then, yeah, it came back together. And so, yeah, I was just kind of like sitting, ride it in. There was a bit of a crash on the last roundabout. Oh, I saw, so, I was just coming in. And I saw Alison Jackson just outside 1K to go. She was still by, the, she was she was sitting up and talking, but unfortunately she, she that was a bit of pain. sort of centre kind of sprawling. And, but then, you know, it's just chase and hopefully just not lose time. I mean, these sprinter stages are, I'm, ne I'm never going to contest a sprint, but hopefully, you know, do something on the uh, TT stage. And, uh, and are you hoping to kind of get enough buffer on the TT to not have to get those bonus seconds in the sprint because I saw Vibus off the back over the QOM which was a bit of a surprise actually. Uh, I don't know I don't really know whether it's necessarily exactly my sort of TT course obviously I'll give it my absolute best shot it's pretty te technical uh, real twisty turny I, I do you know I just think it's wide open. Well we had uh, Joss Loudon at the end there who's obviously now the hour record holder she's uh been very busy like you know she didn't go do Paris-Roubaix but she's not been just sitting around has she but now Joss Loudon there was describing in some detail about how that very strong break that was within like kind of the last 10 kilometers was formed he had Elise Shabby, Juliette Labou, Soraya Paladin uh, and two from SD Works, Amy Peters and uh, Demi Vollering. And, and you saw a little bit of that, that happening, yeah, didn't that, you, Yeah, that formed just as they went over the top of the QOM. And as I stood there before, I said, you know, this is a perfect point to attack. And the whole thing was lined out. And at that moment, everybody's on the limit. And if you want to attack, you have to attack when everybody's on the limit. Because you go and then people think... I can't follow this. I'm exhausted. So that is the moment that you have to go. So 
it was quite fast. It was downhill. There was a bit of a tailwind in the in the way into the finish. So I'm not really surprised that it came back together because it was really, really fast and it would have been difficult for those five riders to hold off a really raging bunch behind. Yeah, it's funny because I did speak to Amy Peters at the end and uh, she was pretty confident that they would actually make it to finish. Obviously you would with that kind of calibre of riders. But I thought what was most interesting was that SD Works were clearly determined to make a breakaway not have it finish in a sprint despite having someone like amy peters who actually i would have thought would be pretty suitable for that kind of uh, little ramp uh, sprint that we had today yeah but i think you're looking to the bigger picture here and i think demi vollering is going to be their leader for the overall she hasn't been at paris roubaix and that's massively in her favor because well firstly her hands are in one piece secondly she's not completely exhausted and she is really up and coming in the time trial but if you look at her competitors someone like Alice Barnes who is also really really good in the time trial and you can really count on a bunch sprint you know maybe she would think actually I need this buffer because Alice can take these these sprints time and time again and Demi's a great sprinter but she's not a pure sprinter she'll do it on those really really hard sprints when it's a smaller group so if she can get that buffer by taking a group to the line and leaving the likes of Alice behind then then great. Now, I think that was actually the break, you know, as strong as it was, it wasn't kind of the most um, decisive thing uh, in the finish of the race because actually there was um, a crash. And it's I think we were thinking it's under 3K to go, I think. uh, Yeah, well, I actually saw Alison Jackson by the side of the road and it was just before the Flamme Rouge. Um, and, And thankfully, I saw her riding afterwards. She rode to the finish and she rode to the bus. So I think she's okay. But yeah, it was, it's, not, it's not the way you want to see a sprint finish decided. But I have to say, when I was on the train on the way down, I looked at the race manual and I could see that uh, there, there was a right-hand turn 200 metres before the finish. I didn't know at that point that it was a downhill into that right-hand turn. And it's one of those things you just think, come on, you know, I knew that this was going to be dangerous. But it wasn't there, was it? That well, actually it, wasn't, it the wasn't, wasn't there, there, but I don't know if there was another one. We'll have to watch the footage later, but... It's fast, you know, you've got a roundabout, it's downhill, everybody's fighting and you, you, it's really difficult to make these finishes safe because the, the way that the, the street furniture is in these busy town centres where we want the finishes, it's always a nightmare, so it's kind of swings and roundabouts really, isn't it? And there was quite a few riders that, that went down there. Lionel, you were talking to Pfeiffer Georgie uh, of Team DSM uh, at the end and uh, it seemed that a few, quite a few Team DSM riders were affected in that crash. Yeah, they were. And let's hear from Pfeiffer Georgie, shall we? I spoke to her as she was on the turbo trainer just warming down after the finish. Well, first of all, tell me about the crash on the run-in. Yeah, um, it was just coming out the last roundabout. It was really fast downhill and just the two sides um, just hit each other straight away after the roundabout and went down pretty hard, actually. And, yeah, our team was just behind this and I could mostly stop and so just... Yeah, barely hit the ground hard, but yeah, my teammate Megan was behind and then, yeah, got went down a bit harder, actually. I mean, it, what was it like as the run-in? Because by that stage, it was obviously going to be a sprint finish, so it's that typical battle for position, I guess. Yeah, so the break um, just came back in the last 3K and then, yeah, with this fast run-in, it was always going to be chaotic and everyone's fighting for position and... Yeah, such a high speed with the tailwind and the downhill. And also the last corner with just 200 metres to go. It was, yeah, always a real fight for position and with the lead out trains, yeah. 
How were the legs this morning after racing Paris-Roubaix on Saturday? Um, not the best, to be honest. Pretty battered and, yeah, just, like, tired all over, but uh, could be worse, I'd say. <laughs> what, was, uh, what was it like having the sort of, you know, what, I guess 40 hours in between finishing in the velodrome and then starting a six-day stage race? I mean, uh, quite a schedule, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't experienced something like this before, um, obviously because... Yeah, Roubaix is a, a race in itself and the first time, so I didn't really know what to expect. And yeah, it was a lot more <laughs> brutal than I anticipated. Well, yeah, obviously it was going to be hard, but yeah, it's taken quite a toll on me and with a couple of crashes during the race and then also the travel. Um, yeah, it's quite a hard 48 hours. <laughs> and what's the aim overall for the team this week? Is it uh, you know a case of just day by day, seeing how things go? Yeah, I think we can uh, really be aggressive in first stage runs, but also looking at GC, we've got a lot of strong time trialists, and I think in this year's course that is going to play a big part in the GC because the courses aren't as challenging as in previous years. So, yeah, I think we've got quite a few cards actually for GC, and we'll just, yeah, obviously in stage race, you take it day by day and see how things play out. But I guess with the time trial on the third day, that's why today and probably tomorrow, no one's going to want to let anything go up the road, are they? No, it was actually a really attacking race, and but nothing stuck for the whole 150k until the last 30. And then obviously, yeah, it got brought back. But yeah, it was actually really hard and constantly attacking because everyone still wants to be in the mix and yeah, protect the GC. Uh, and I also caught up with Alison Jackson, who you mentioned, uh, Lizzie, who was also in the same crash, and she's of Live Racing. This is what she had to say. Alison, tell us what, what happened to you. Yeah, uh, I guess just before the 1K to go, we came out a roundabout. It's a bit downhill pretty fast, but yeah, the the group split on the right and left of the roundabout, and when it came back together, they <laughs> really came together in a big crash girls in front of me just going down and I saw straight away there's no place to go so yeah right over uh, yeah that's <laughs> what are your injuries that you you know of at the moment yeah sometimes it's hard to tell uh, directly after we still got some adrenaline um, and uh, is it just peri-roubaix soreness no I think it's something new but yeah I'll we'll have to just check to see uh, got some back cramps and then uh, beautiful black eye I, was gonna, I thought it was just like you're sporting a new type of eyeshadow <laughs> like blue purple green eyeshadow <laughs> yeah right uh, I got a no I got a cut from my glasses actually um, it's a small cl- cut but it yeah had a nice bleed but uh, yeah we'll we'll check in with the doctor again tomorrow morning and and uh, see if we can keep going did anyone else of the team go down? Or yeah. I know the DSM, quite a few went down, Valcar. Oh, shoot, yeah. Um, yeah, another one of my teammates, uh, Shauna Korver, also. Um, I'm not sure if she finished the race, actually. So, um, yeah, that's it's really unfortunate. Yeah, as you say, Rose, quite a few riders were either down or were held up by that crash. And... Lizzie, you've been mentioning Alice Barnes, and she finished 42nd, crossed the line around about a minute after uh, Marta Bastianelli, but of course given the same time as Bastianelli, so uh, not lost anything in terms of the overall. Really, the, the, the one rider who we all had eyes on today was Lizzie Dignan, simply because of that ride on Saturday, and the fact that um, her hands are in such a state after riding over the cobbles. Uh, she did say in the press conference, which I didn't mention in our Paris-Roubaix 
episode that came out this morning that uh, it's the first time she's ever raced not wearing her wedding ring and she put it on her necklace around her neck instead but smart decision if you're not going to wear gloves and you're going to yeah I mean her hands were badly blistered weren't they um, but she came over the line in 40th place 26 seconds behind um, but obviously not as a result of that crash because otherwise she would have been given uh, the same time as everyone else so she's lost a little bit of time there um in terms of the stage winner marta bastianelli a very experienced rider of course and she was fifth at Paris bay at the weekend so obviously in good form um i was going to ask lizzie you know the parkour of this race is sprint finishes and a time trial um but we're in a position where ellen van dyke is not here and and uh, you know with my uh, looking at the results i was thinking well she's going to clean up in the time trial do well enough in the sprints and the outstanding favorite i thought before she obviously crashed at Paris bay and has not started here it wasn't just ellen van dyke as well it was also marlon reuser so you know those two have been really head to head in the time trials all year and they were t- you know they were the two that were billed to be here as the top favorites i would say because they would have got so much advantage in the time trial that I don't think they would have really had to contest the sprints and also neither of them were really riders that would have been able to contest the sprints when you have the caliber of sprinters that we have here Bastianelli, Barnes etc etc. Emma Norsgaard again another notable absentee she was another you know nailed on starter and it's just end of season exhaustion which has got to her and I think that is going to be a really big factor in this race going forward and I think we might have some really big surprises maybe some people will just blow up Paris-Roubaix was so hard it's October we also had the Olympics and so trying to get kind of three peaks into a season it can change things up a lot but maybe we're going to see a see some really good stuff from the British riders because the British riders have got their national championships in a week and a half's time and they've known about that for a while so they've known that they're going to have to keep going after the women's tour as well so perhaps we'll see Joss Loudon do a really good time trial of course she was in fine form for the hour record recently and again you know I would say my money's on Alice Barnes here so so we're talking basically who can time trial the best of the sprinters or which time trialists can defend, you know, build enough of a lead to um, protect themselves when other riders are hoovering up time bonuses. I mean, that's quite a delicate dynamic, isn't it, for the rest of the race? Definitely. I mean, I I really think that the absentees have opened this race up phenomenally because before we were looking at pure time trialists versus time trialists that can sprint, like Norsgaard and Alice Barnes. And now we're looking at sprinters who can time trial? And that's a, it's a really fine balance. And there's so many bonus seconds on the line here that actually, you know, through the course of a day, that can really shake up the leadership of a race. That is one of the things that is kind of one of the traits of the women's tour is that it often comes down to just seconds and seconds on the line and um, bonus seconds and racing for, the, for anything that you can get. And that's kind of what makes the, although you look at the parkour and it's not, you know, you don't have those big mountainous stages that you, you come to expect, but it makes it a much closer run thing. And then it's much more exciting. Yeah, it makes that. it exciting for us. And it also makes the sprints hotly contested because some some races, you know, the jerseys, they're just kind of a, a byproduct of whoever wins the race. But here, people are always fighting for the QOM jersey. We saw Nina Kessler getting the sprints jersey today and she was fighting so hard for it. And that's what I really love to see a really hotly contested, exciting race that is taken right to the death.
Chute, chute à l'arrière du peloton. Cycling podcast, Team Car, the back of the pack, please. That's Seb PK, the voice of Radio Tour, to remind us to tell you that this episode of our Women's Tour coverage is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. And, well, while we didn't use LinkedIn Jobs to recruit Liz, Lizzie Banks for our Women's Tour coverage, we have actually used LinkedIn Jobs when we were looking for a producer to join our team earlier this year. And, well, the big advantage of LinkedIn Jobs is that you can create a free job post in minutes get it online and then reach a network of more than 30 million people in the uk alone funnily enough we were recruiting for a spanish speaking audio producer and we were inundated with applications and we picked the best from all of those applications um, because you get basically their cvs in digital form and you can really easily sift through who is appropriate for the role so if you would like to check out linkedin jobs They can help you find the candidates you need quickly and you can post a job ad for free. Just go to linkedin.com slash cycle. That's linkedin.com slash cycle to post your job ad for free. Uh, now, Lionel, you touched upon the fact that Paru Bay was just on Saturday and now we're talking on Monday, so just a couple of days before the historic first ever Paru Bay fam. I don't know whether I say that very well. Fem, fem, fem. Women's Paru Bay, anyway. Uh, won, of course, by Lizzie Dynan, who is also the defending champion here at the Women's Tour. Um, the Paru Bay, like you said a bit earlier, Lizzie, a lot of the riders that are here at the Women's Tour were also um, at Paru Bay. And I think that that kind of is having a little bit of a factor in terms of bringing in injuries and bringing fatigue. Yeah, it also means that there's a lot of teams that don't have full rosters. So I've already said about how I think Alice Barnes is one of the favourites and, and she would have known that, but they've only got a team of four here. And so, yeah, I wondered if perhaps Kasia Nivadoma and uh, Elena Amialusic perhaps were going to come here and then didn't because of injury at Roubaix. Well, they would have changed the whole face of the... I mean, those are two excellent climbers and that would have changed Absolutely. the whole face of their team. And we know that Nivadoma is not scared of a long-range attack, so who cares if the parkour is flat? It doesn't matter for her because she's such a you know, vivacious rider, <laughs> she, she doesn't care and she'll just go. So it has had an impact on a lot of the names here. Actually, I saw this morning that Lucy Kennedy said, well, she's coming back from her 19-day retirement to race here. So she's obviously filling in from somebody from Paris Bay, perhaps, who, oh, that was it, Georgia Williams has had another crash and unfortunately another concussion, so she's out at home resting. So that's one aspect of it. And then the other is that you just don't have any time to recover. And Paris Bay is a race that you're going to need a week to recover from. Not only your hands, not only the fatigue in your legs, but also the saddle sores. You know, those they're so rough, those cobbles to ride on, that that's going to have a big impact on uh, on your downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so beautifully put. Uh, now, we've actually, you know, talking about the fatigue, we've actually already, one of the uh, DNFs of today was Elisa Longo-Borghini, who, of course, came third at Paris-Roubaix um, and you know her reasoning um, well you know th that I heard from the team uh, was uh, down to fatigue from Paris-Roubaix and her, uh, her hands being totally ripped apart I think uh, everyone saw those images of Lizzie Dynan's winning bike being smeared in uh, blood on the handlebars um, but yeah I did manage to speak to Elisa Longo-Borghini this morning and uh, I spoke to Christine Majerus uh, who uh, enjoyed herself thoroughly um, uh, at Paris-Roubaix and uh, this is what they had to say this morning. Elisa how was Saturday? Yeah um, Saturday was epic and uh, it was a very nice day for us um, seeing Lizzie winning the race uh, 
for me was um, was, was very special because uh, I think there's no woman that deserves it more. And um, yeah, it was an epic day, but it was such a nice one. And was that always the plan for Trek Segafredo for Lizzie to go so early and stay away? Well, no, uh, but you know Lizzie, she's really following her instinct and uh, most of the time it works, so it was good. And how much was uh, fatigue playing a factor in Pirate Bay? I imagine you guys, everyone is much more fatigued now starting the women's tour. Yeah, surely there were. There has been only one day of recovery and most of all we spent it travelling. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a little bit a uh, hard start for us, but we are here and we have to honour the race. And uh, what are you expecting from this week, or what is the team expecting from this week? Um, I don't know, we will see after stage one and especially after stage three, uh, because there's a time trial, how we will be placed and then we will decide. Do you think the stage three will be the absolute key to whoever wins the overall? There are many time bonuses to, to grab all, uh, all around this week, but yeah, I think uh, the time trial can make uh, the GC more, much more clear. And logistically, how did you get from Paris-Roubaix to here? How busy was it? You know, were you going straight off to the UK? Yeah, straight after the race, we went uh, uh, to Calais and then we took uh, the Euro Tunnel and then uh, we slept uh, on the way. Um, and then uh, yesterday afternoon, we came here. So no time to celebrate? There's not, there wasn't much time to celebrate, but we surely enjoyed it together inside the team. Christina, I just wanted to ask you a bit about Paris-Roubaix. How much did you enjoy that experience the weekend? Uh, I loved it. <laughs> really, uh, I had a fun day. I had good legs. I had a good race. Um, I also had a crash, but that's also Paris-Roubaix. And um, not coming home with the result I, I potentially could have had. But um, uh, I can live with that. And uh, it gave me a lot of motivation to come back. And did it feel like a historic moment when you were actually racing? Or did it just feel like racing as normal? Um, I think it felt more to me like, yeah, finally, like this is the race I've been waiting for for so long and this is uh, the kind of racing I'm riding my bike for and uh, it felt a little bit uh, unfair that uh, it's only coming at the like very end of my career because, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, who knows what could have happened if I had that race when I was younger uh, and a little bit even less afraid than what I am now, but um, yeah, I'm happy. I'm, I'm really happy it's there, and it's uh, it's more like uh, very symbolic that uh, to show that yeah, if we can do that race, we can do any race, and there's no no reason to to discuss about that. And I can see you've actually still got a little bit of mud, tiny bit of mud still on your helmet. <laughs> there. How has it been switching from Paris Bay to come straight here? Um, yeah, uh, it's not the most relaxed thing <laughs> to, to start this race with because this is also always a really hard race but um, I think the majority of the peloton is in that case so um, I think we all still uh, feel a little bit the couples from uh, from Saturday but um, oh, today the weather should be good so it's a good start and, and then we see day by day. And you normally do really so well at this race, what is it about the women's tour that means it's particularly suited to you? Um, I think it's uh, just a little bit the same area than where I've grown up, like the, the terrain is a little bit the same, plus the weather is also in my favour, it's not... Uh, I'm not a heat person, so this uh, this weather really suits me well, and um, yeah, I just like the atmosphere here, the roads, the, the circuits, and normally this is in uh, in June, where I'm always in good shape. Um, now this is maybe now a little bit different, but I think I'm also in good shape now, and yeah, I'm motivated to finish the season in a good way.
And of course, uh, here at the Women's Tour, we have the champion of Paris-Roubaix, Lizzie Dignan, with us. You, you actually were there, Lionel. You witnessed that uh, iconic, mo- what, what is now, well, you probably didn't realise at the time, but is now the winning move at Paris-Roubaix. I did, yeah. Um, I was stood on the first section of cobbles, about 200 metres from the entrance to the section of cobbles. Um, the first of, I think, 17 or 18, 17 sections. And from the men's race, it's a, co- a section that I know well because um, you can see the two water towers and there's a, the Z-bend in the road. And it's a tr- really tricky one. Um, they approach it fast. There's a little rise. They go over the railway line and then they're in to a, a couple of tight turns and um, as they came past me Lizzie Dignam was just maybe a bike length clear of one of her teammates who I think was Trixie Warak we subsequently found out that Elisa Longo-Borghini and Ellen Van Dyke had been badly positioned going into that first section so Lizzie Dignam basically went on the front foot to get out at the front and uh, as the gap opened she just carried on and I mean an 80 kilometre break uh, to win the race uh, and and I mean just it wasn't just the strength and the control and I know we all saw a slip sliding on the cobbles but you know this is a very different um, challenge we were talking about just the physical attributes of the women riders I mean Lizzie Dignan would be one of the smallest riders in the male peloton in terms of just body weight and so it, it's a very different type of challenge and um, when they came past me on that section of cobbles in one line thundering across it, it was it was quite an awe-inspiring moment really um, and as I was, we were talking about the toll that uh, Paris-Roubaix has taken on some of the riders who have had to come over here. I don't mean had to come over here to race the women's tour, um, but it's an unfortunate quirk of the schedule this year because we're still in this kind of um, hangover from the, the, the season lost to COVID. But the men don't have to contend with this. Paris-Roubaix for the men is the end of a block. Uh, some may go on and do Amstel Gold or whatever, but they go on to do Amstel Gold as, you know, perhaps a team helper or, or what have you. But for the, the real specialist, Paris-Roubaix is the uh, full stop in a phase of the season. And that is not a luxury that many of the women here are uh, being allowed. And uh, so it's a real tough week of racing this to come into six consecutive days of you know sprint stages which means they're going to be intense it means that no one's going to want to let anyone um you know get up the road they'll be nervous as well because there isn't that sort of sort out that you might get through the climbs so you're going to have big groups coming into the finish um uh, yeah i don't don't envy them and it's not something that that you would uh, necessarily expect and probably won't happen again because for one thing paris-roubaix will hopefully be uh, well will be in april next year and the women's tour i gather will be back in its regular june slot next year the race organizers have already applied to move back to the uh, normal slot on the calendar but it's a, a really unusual week of racing this and i think that's why it's we shouldn't take our eyes off it over uh, the next five days yeah it's true and uh, you talk about it not being a luxury but you know even with all the buzz of winning uh, Paru Bay, Lizzie Dynan, when she got off her, stepped off of her bike at, at the end of stage one today, uh, she was, well, as you'll hear in a second, I didn't think that she was moving so well. I don't know why I told her that I didn't think she was moving so well. That doesn't sound like the best, the best introduction, but I thought I'd let, let her know. But, you know, let's hear what uh, Lizzie has to say about her win at Paru Bay and uh, what she's planning for this week. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, well, Lizzie, what was it like out there today? I can see you seem to be struggling to walk a little bit. 
Yeah, just incredibly unrecovered from Roubaix. Uh, it's just not even just the Roubaix, it's, you know, the, the travel over here and kind of the rush to be here. Um, but yeah, I mean, we still managed a good ride, I think. Um, I think Elisa stopped. I think she was struggling too much with her, the wounds on her hands. So, um, and obviously we lost Ellen. So, yeah, not the best start to to the tour. But um, yeah, I I did what I could. I had to close the gap in the end. And luckily, it, you know, Chloe could look after herself and and get that result. So, good day considering. And how are your hands? You can see they're really strapped up. Yeah, they're strapped up and pretty open, but. Uh, I could luckily could kind of manipulate the way I was positioning the whole to hold the bars a little bit different. So, and has the the buzz of winning Paris Bay hasn't worn off already? <laughs> no, no, we're still delighted. I mean, that's the thing with cycling. There's always another race around the corner, and I've learned, you know, over the years, you have to keep celebrating and not just forget it because it was incredibly special. And was it like coming into? It was very different when you came to the women's tour last time when you won it because you know you just had Orla and you're coming back from maternity leave. How different is it to be coming in Paris Bay champion this time round? Um, I guess it means that the season's a success and we're here just for um, to enjoy it and, and to enjoy the amazing race, the amazing crowds, and the pressure's off, I suppose. Um, but in cycling, it's never off. There's always expectation, and obviously, it's the women's tour, so we want a good tour. But I don't think um, GC is realistic here for me. The cycling podcast Femina is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Well, thank you very much to our sponsors, Science in Sport. They're long-time sponsors, actually, of the cycling podcast. How long, how long has it been, Lionel? The 2016 Giro Science in Sport came on board. They, their sponsorship enabled us to go to the Giro d'Italia for the first time. And, uh, yeah, it, the, our journey has progressed from there, hasn't it? So yeah, thank and, you. And here we are at the Women's Tour, and they're, they're helping us be here too. And if you want Science in Sport to help you on your goals your fitness goals your cycling goals uh, and get some nutrition for 25% off which is a pretty good deal then go to scienceandsport.com and type in the code who wants to sing it with me i'm not singing come on i said to richard i am not singing um this is this a break am i (laughs) forcing you to break your contract here lionel siscp25 i'm gonna work on uh, lionel and lizzie for the rest of the week getting them to do the famous crystal palace it's because it's a crystal palace chant isn't it but scienceandsport.com and SISCP25 is going to give you 25% off all your nutritional needs. I think I'm going to lobby Stephen Moon, the CEO of uh, Science in Sport, for Banbury Cake um, Energy Bakes, maybe. I don't know, it could be the next one in the the line after the tiramisu and the strawberry, both of which I enjoy very much. uh, You're very hung up on your Banbury Cakes. Considering I've not tasted it yet, I'm I'm really uh, really enthusiastic about it. Well, how did you come about these Banbury cakes, Lionel? Tell us and tell us a bit more about where we were today. Well, we were in Banbury and uh, <laughs> I was strolling through the, the streets of Banbury and I saw a sign that said, we sell the famous Banbury cakes. And, so uh, famous, none of us had heard of it. Well, <laughs> as I said at the start of the episode, uh, it does seem that they're slightly sheepish about the Banbury cake saying that it's like an Eccles cake as if that's uh, an endorsement but um, I know I'm looking forward to trying them uh, myself we're staying in an Airbnb so we don't we won't have a full English breakfast laid on for us tomorrow maybe we morning will. So maybe we will why are you looking at me Rose 
Oh, we could have a fryer. We could get one of our many lackeys that we've brought along <laughs> along with us to make it. I don't see why not. We don't have lackeys, Rose. We have domestiques, don't we? Oh, yes, um, of course. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. To but be fair to Simon know. Gill, our wonderful photographer, he had he took the bike off me and I said, do you want me to take the wheels out? No, I'll do that. And then when I arrived at the house, it was already in the house for me and I assume it's been cleaned. Exactly. He wants to be a swanier. So <laughs> get him on the fry-ups. But until then, we can eat Banbury capes, can't we? We can, yeah. The other thing about Banbury, of course, is the nursery rhyme, ride a cock horse to Banbury Cross. And Are you going to test us on it? It no, looks... Okay. No, I'm not. But I went on a quest around the streets of Banbury to try to find out uh, the origins of the nursery rhyme and what it all means. And I, as you'll hear, I didn't have a great deal of success. Ride a cock horse to Banbury Cross To see a fine lady I wonder, do you know the origins of the nursery rhyme, Ride a Cock Horse to Banbury Cross? I'm, I'm afraid I don't know. <laughs> I'm not actually from Banbury. I live about four miles away and I've done for the last few years, so I probably should know, but don't. Well, there is the, the, the engraving on the statue, oh, oh, isn't yeah. there? But that's as, that's as far as I have managed to find out. Excuse me, sir, are you from Banbury? No. Ah. <laughs> so you can't help me with the origins of the nursery rhyme? No, I can't, no. I haven't found anyone in Banbury who's able to help me with the origins of the nursery rhyme. It's not on the actual... um, The horse is down there, isn't it? It is, yeah. Is it written on there? It is written on there. Oh, okay. Doesn't doesn't explain what it's referring to. Yeah, no, I haven't got a clue, sorry. My search goes on. Thank you very much. Excuse me, sir. Sorry to interrupt, but are you from Banbury? Uh, Yes, yeah, I live in the area, yeah. Do you know the origins of the nursery rhyme? Can you tell me the story? Um... I know the nursery rhyme, but <laughs> I, I think it, it originated in uh, Warmington. There was a, a pond there, and the lady used to go out and feed the peasants because it was all horse and carts back then. And the wheels used to get really hot coming down the hill. And there was a, a kind of um, a pond there where they used to cool down the ponds, and she used to come out and, and give them food. I think, and not 100%, but that's the bit I've heard anyway. Excellent. And you've obviously been here today to watch yeah, the race? Yeah, we came in to watch that for my granddaughter. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. Love that. Excuse me, sir, have you got a moment? Okay, yeah. You're from the Banbury Star Cycling Club. That's right, yep. Now, I'm hoping that you might be able to help me with the origins of the nursery rhyme. Uh, ride a cock horse to Banbury Cross to see a fine lady upon a white horse with rings on her fingers and bells on her toes. She shall have music wherever she goes. And what's it all about? What's the story? Uh, I'm not really sure, to be honest. <laughs> Do you anything know that, the nursery rhyme? Sorry, I'd ask somebody else. Well, tell me about the Banbury Star Cycling Club, because uh, I'm not from a million miles from here, and I sometimes see some of your guys over my way, um, the other side of the Chilterns. It was founded in 1891. So we celebrated our 130th year to this uh, about four weeks ago. Had a big ride out to uh, the Hook Norton Brewery. 130k ride, hence 130th year. Um, yeah, there was about 80, no, 90 riders participated, obviously in groups of six or seven. Um, yeah, it's, it's a thriving club, very inclusive. Um, we, we have around about 30 to 40 riders every Saturday morning coming out on our club rides with a cafe stop, all sort of different grades of cycling. Uh, Sunday's not quite as busy but it's still good going we have a regular in the summer TT's on a Wednesday evening which are 
normally 60 people participate. Uh, we also organise a road race in May for uh, the women's tour and uh, the cat uh, three and four for the men. Um, and so what's it mean to have the women's tour finishing in oh, Banbury today? Fantastic, absolutely brilliant. We followed it all the way round. We, we there were 28 of us rode, rode out to Bicester for the start. We saw the Queen of the Mountains, uh, which was great, and uh, then the, the sprint finish in Bloxham, followed by the finish here, which was super, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, Excellent. Lizzie Danham was a little bit 20 seconds behind the, the winner, but you couldn't understand that. She was... Um, she had quite a big day on Saturday. Uh, a big day on Saturday, which was brilliant. The first first ever, you know, Paris-Roubaix for, for the women. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic achievement. Yeah. Excellent. Let's put Bambi on the map and hopefully we'll get a few more members. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Thank you very okay, much indeed. Well, thank you very much to John from the Banbury Star Cyclist Club there for reciting the lyrics of the nursery rhyme, but he he wasn't even able to enlighten me on the meaning. And uh, I took the advice of one of the other people that I spoke to in the streets of Banbury, and I took to Google, and there are, as there always are with these things from centuries ago, conflicting accounts. It could mean uh, ride a cock horse could mean sitting astride steady on steady on no, we, we it, shouldn't we i think we need the facts don't we like it could, it could quickly venture into some unsavory uh, areas quite literally actually. i'm, I'm going to suggest to the listeners that if you really want to know you could just g- google it <laughs> and if you come up with an answer let us know on social media i mean fortunately tomorrow we're, we're in warsaw so i can forget all about this and and think about uh, you know what warsaw is famous for yeah, exactly. And and Lizzie, what have we got coming up at, in Walsall? What are we what we should we expect? We have got 102 kilometers of circuits. No, you got to sell it because we want people to listen listen to it tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Well, Fa- you mean fast, exciting, exhilarating well, no, it's circuits? It's exhilarating. It's in the rain. So actually, you know, historically the women's tour has always been filthy weather because of course it's in the middle of the summer so um, actually this week in the winter we've only got one day forecasted of rain which is really quite miraculous and unfortunately that's tomorrow so it's going to be the circuits day so it will make it interesting to watch maybe people will want to get off the front because you know when it's wet in the bunch it can get a bit dangerous and you're just like I want to get out of here Um, it's going to be fast it's going to be furious it should be another bunch sprint but the day after is the time trial day time trial day so i don't know maybe we'll see some late attacks people are really really tired and that's when things can get away people are going to be looking for any seconds they can get because that gc is is obviously very close from having just had a a sprint today it's close but it's wide open i honestly think there's so many riders that could take it and i think that we might end up being really really surprised so i think we just need to wait until it happens so tune in tomorrow to be Surpri- surprised from Walsall. That sounds like a uh, some kind of agony aunt column <laughs> entry, doesn't it? Surprised of Walsall <laughs> reporting. <laughs> but uh, until then, let's, so what, what are you having to eat, Lionel? Um, Normally, you know, you can well, tell us about all these delicious, um, you know, pasta alla norma. Yeah, and I mean. We're in the Midlands, so I thought I'd go for a curry. And oh, well, that's gone very a, suitable. Gone for a Jalfrezi. Um We'll see, won't we? I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Lizzie, what are you? What are you getting? Give us, make it sound like a you know big cultural highlight here. 
Well, I, I'm from Yorkshire, so I've gone for the Yorkshire scampi with garden peas. Yorkshire scampi. Oh, that's, like, that's <laughs> like ordering gammon and eggs when you're at the Yelter. <laughs> you can't do that. I'm saving, I'm hoping that tomorrow in Walsall we're going to find a really, really good curry house. And I didn't want to get a curry here from, you know, somewhere that maybe wasn't really... Or Lizzie putting down Lionel's... You know, well, uh, option you know. that the cracks are beginning to show. So I think we better oh, better sign off now. Thank you very much, Lionel. Thank you, Rose. And thank you, Lizzie. Speak to you tomorrow.